This is episode 275 of the Beyond the Food Show. And today we're going to talk about gentle nutrition with my colleague and new friend, Rachel Arthley. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Going Beyond the Food Show. I'm Stephanie Dodier, clinical nutritionist and certified intuitive eating counselor, creator of the Going to Beyond the Food Method. And after a 25-year dieting career that started at the age of 12, I decided to say hell no to diet culture and hell yes to living my life to the fullest in my now body. And I made it my mission to help smart, successful women like you live confidently, unconditionally, right now. Ready, sister? Let's do this. Hey, if you're new to the Going Beyond the Food Show, our podcast roadmap has been designed with you in mind. With over 250 episodes available to listen, it can feel overwhelming to know which episode to prioritize for you. The podcast guide answers the top five questions women have when they enter our world of going beyond the food to unlearn diet culture. To get your free copy of our podcast roadmap guide, head over to stephaniedoziate.com forward slash roadmap or use the hyperlink in the show notes. I'll see you on the other side. Welcome back, my sisters. This episode means a lot to me and beyond the food. Here's a funny behind the scene before we get into the topic of today. I was writing the note for this podcast. And yes, I write like the notes of what I'm going to say to you. And I started the note by I'm so excited. And then I stopped. I'm like, This is not the word to describe what I'm feeling in producing this podcast episode. So let me go to Google and search for a synonym of excited. By the way, welcome to the world of a non-native English speaking person who's learned English all on her own. (laughs) Fun fact about me, for the first 20 years of my life, I didn't even know anything about English. I spoke French only. I learned English at 21 years old, the school of hard knock on the street, working as a cashier in a retail store. (laughs) That's how I learned English. Another story for another day. But anyway, I found a synonym that really match what I'm feeling putting this podcast episode in front of you today. I am thrilled for this episode. I'm exhilarated to finally be able to talk about nutrition on the podcast. We've never done an episode talking about nutrition because I hold a lot of responsibility about what I'm talking on the podcast. And vast majority of you listening are not student of my program, you're not my client, and I have no way to send you in the context of intuitive eating and nutrition to anything Not my student and my program are taking care of. Uh, we have uh, a course on intuitive eating, we have a course on gentle nutrition, we have a course on health and a non-diet approach. My student, I know they're taking care of, but For all of you out there, I could not speak about nutrition until today. Today, we're going to talk about gentle nutrition. We're going to talk about nutrition in the context of intuitive eating. And I have a friend who's going to come and talk about this topic with us because 
she has just, or depending when you're listening to this podcast, she is publishing a book on gentle nutrition in the context of health at every size and intuitive eating on February 23rd, 2021. This is the first book, the only book in its kind in the world. So if you are self-taught intuitive eating and you are not working with a professional, you want to get this book. The title is very simple. It's called Gentle Nutrition. And it's, as I said, my friend Rachel Hartley, which is a uh, registered dietitian, nutrition therapist, certified intuitive eating counselor who wrote the book. Because just like me, she needed resources to send, in her case, blog followers. She has a blog to go and get information and she had nothing. So she created it. And that's what we're going to talk about today on the podcast. Um, And this book is Gentle Nutrition in a Cookbook. Thank heaven or God or universe. We have a cookbook that is completely diet culture free. Like, I'm so excited (laughs) using the word excited, but I'm thrilled and exhilarated to be able to bring that to you today. Now, a disclaimer, if you are brand new to the world of intuitive eating, you haven't yet gone through the process of reacquainting yourself with your intuitive eating cue, you're still holding on to some thoughts about diet mindset and categorizing food as good or bad. This is not the right episode for you. It's probably going to be misinterpreted by your brain as another diet. I've had the experience of that in my programs. That's why we don't talk about nutrition till later on at the end of the process. And that's what I suggest to you. So if that's you, go back and listen to episode 199, episode 200 before listening to this one. So here's what me and Rachel are going to talk in this interview. Number one is going to define what gentle nutrition is and what it's not. The difference between gentle nutrition and wellness diet. Rachel's going to give you the top three, quote, advice to begin your journey in gentle nutrition. We're going to talk about meal planning and intuitive eating. We're going to talk about food intolerance. And we're also going to talk about when it's time for you to consult in nutrition medical therapy. And that's what Rachel does. She is a, she specializes in medical nutrition therapy with intuitive eating. Like, whoa, this is so needed. Um, so she's become one of my referral when some of my student or client need medical therapy. And we'll talk about what does that mean in the interview. But if you have a health condition that requires food, I don't want to say restriction, but food changes, um, and you are an intuitive eater, it's perhaps the time for you or perhaps something you want to consider to consult with someone like Rachel to get in for one, two, three session to really look at food in the context of your diagnosed health condition. That's what she does. So anyway, enough of me blabbering. We're going to go right into the interview with Rachel and I talking about gentle nutrition. Welcome to the show, Rachel. Hi, thank you for having me. (laughs) I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. 
Uh, we've never talked about gentle nutrition or nutrition at all in the podcast. So this is a kind of a first for us here. So we're going to go right into the weeds of it. This is the first time that I'll be able to recommend a book that talks about nutrition or a recipe book that is 100% diet culture free. So thank you so much for doing this. Oh, absolutely. It was like a resource that I feel like gets asked about all the time and in um, Facebook groups that I'm a part of. And I was like, well, I guess I can create that. <laughs> yes, thank you very much for doing this. And you opened the book with this question, which I think would be a great starting point for the conversation. But you ask, how would you eat if you weren't trying to lose weight? Yeah, absolutely. Um, gosh, no, writing that Writing that first sentence, I remember staring at my computer screen for what felt like um, probably multiple days. But, um, you know, I, I really wanted to start with that because it, you know, we have this idea, you know, I think when people first initially think about that, their their thought is, well, I would just, you know, eat, you know, burgers and French fries and all these off limits, you know, foods all day long. And that's all I would do. But really, you know, when, and, and as I kind of show in that passage is that, you know, I think that when we're not trying to lose weight, we actually tend to eat a wide variety of foods. We think about things like pleasure and also how food makes us feel and all these other, you know, just aspects of eating. So yeah. <laughs> it's a great starting point for understanding that, last principle of intuitive eating. And I want to spend a little bit of time on that as to why gentle nutrition is the last step of the process of becoming an intuitive eater. Right, right. So yeah, you know, one thing that kind of inspired this idea of writing a book about gentle nutrition is that yes, um, in the book, gentle nutrition is the last aspect of intuitive eating. You know, we really benefit from doing some solid work, um, healing our relationship with food before approaching nutrition, because things that may be, um, you know, may feel like a flexible, like, like it's so easy to turn gentle nutrition into a diet if we haven't done some really solid recovery and, and healing work first. But, you know, one thing, and I, I share this in the book is that, you know, I think as intuitive eating dietitians, as practitioners, we really hold off on the conversation about nutrition because it is so nuanced and so complex. And, you know, we know that we're talking to this wide audience where, you know, I know when I put something out on Instagram, on Instagram, there's someone who's actively in an eating disorder reading it. And then there's people who are just like, you know, interested, like food pictures. <laughs> like, yes. you know, there's, every, there's a whole array of people. And so we hold off on this, this conversation about nutrition. And one thing that it does is it can kind of create this mystery around what gentle nutrition is. Um, you know, I find a lot of people kind of have this idea of like, oh, yay, once I graduate the first principles of intuitive eating, like then I get rewarded with my like kale and quinoa salad or or then I'm going to get punished with this kale and quinoa salad. Like, you know, that it's this thing that um, that gets whipped out at the end. And so I really wanted to show, create a book that, that showed how can we integrate gentle nutrition into the whole process of intuitive eating and how do we demystify um, what gentle nutrition looks like. Because a lot of people came from the place of complicated nutrition because of 
healthy, quote unquote, diets, whatever they were trying to do. Like what I find with my client is they came from the traditional diet model that doesn't work. And they, they try to get themselves closer to a quote, healthy diet, which makes nutrition so complicated. And then they go through the process of intuitive eating. And then you go into gentle nutrition. They're like, well, that's too easy. <laughs> like nutrition cannot be this simple, but that's what gentle nutrition is. Absolutely. It's the very, very boring and unsexy nutrition stuff that you have, you know, heard your whole life. And that like gentle nutrition really is that easy. And frankly, most people who are thinking to themselves like, well, I'm going through intuitive eating and I haven't start started, um, you know, making the little air quits there, um, started gentle nutrition yet. Like everyone I work, like you're already probably engaging in gentle nutrition in more ways than you actually recognize. So if you were to define gentle nutrition for people listening, what would you say? Yeah, you know, it's funny, because that was one of the things when I, I wrote the book, one of the first rounds of, of edits, um, my editor said, you know, you actually have to like define gentle nutrition in a more distinct way. And I was like, well, I have this whole chapter talking about what it is like, you have to kind of like narrow it down. It's like, okay, I guess I have to think about this thing. But you know, I, I like to define gentle nutrition as well, a few things. A, it's zoomed out. So gentle nutrition is when we look beyond just individual meals and snacks and really zoom out and look at our pattern of eating over time. Um, you know, it is something where we are, are being flexible. So it's what nutrition looks like um, when we are being flexible with food, when we're not... Um, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? But when we're not getting rigid with specific diet rules, and frankly, it's just what nutrition looks like, like evidence-based nutrition, when we take the pursuit of weight loss, of intentional weight loss out as the goal, you know, what we call medical nutrition therapy. So, so you know, nutrition therapy, like there's a lot that we know about the science of nutrition. And all of that is still there once we remove this idea that pursuit of thinness is is something that's going to um, improve our health, that that's a goal of engaging with nutrition. You talked about evidence-based nutrition. Can you clarify that for people listening? Yeah. So evidence-based nutrition, essentially, you know, nutrition that is, I'm trying to think of a good way to, to define that, but essentially nutrition that is like backed up by research. So nutrition that is backed up by scientific evidence. And I should say it's like, can be problematic because, um, nutrition research is, and I, I mentioned this in the book, is just an incredibly complicated thing to study. So much of, you know, if you're studying a medication, it's very easy to design a study. You give like one, um, one group the medication, the other group gets a placebo, you compare outcomes. You can't really do that with nutrition. It's an inherently um, complicated thing because how we eat is something it's not an a, it's not like a medication where it can affect our body in in hours or, or minutes even you know it's something that that the effect of food in our body is something that that happens over time um, when you add something in you might be like you can't do that without affecting other aspects of our diet so really really complicated thing to study so I've got two follow up question on this number one is. Again, people, people listening here, I've been on 
the spectrum of diet, including the healthy diet, there's a lot of claim out there that say, we'll name it just for the sake of it, keto, right? Keto is evidence-based, right? It's based on evidence. Can you kind of clarify that for people and how this perhaps is not versus what you're talking about evidence-based nutrition? Yeah, yep. So, you know, and the, yes, the, and this is again where where research nutrition research can be so tricky. You know, we have like you can design a study that proves just about anything when yes. it comes to <laughs> nutrition when it's short term. Like you can design a keto study in a way where you're just like looking for these very specific outcomes, or you just you know pick and choose what kind of uh, data you want to pull from from the study. Um, when I'm thinking about evidence, like I, I'm when I'm thinking about health promoting uh, eating habits, I'm really thinking beyond like a six week study or, you know, or a six month study, which is actually quite long in terms of nutrition research. Like, you know, and that's the thing where, you know, with keto, fine, you, you can create a study that of course is always like aimed at pretty much always looking at weight as an outcome. You know, we are looking at quality of life fact, we're looking beyond weight and numbers and, and lab values as the outcome. Like, we're looking at quality of life as like physical and mental health as outcomes, or at least that's what I'm looking at with gentle nutrition. <laughs> and we don't focus also on macronutrient isolation. Mm. Because one of the things I always say to people, and you let me know your thought, we don't eat a nutrient, we eat a food. Can you kind of debunk that a little bit for people? Yeah, yeah. So yes, that that kind of goes back to the complexities of nutrition research. Like, no, we don't eat. Um, you want to study vitamin C? Well, we don't just eat like vitamin C fruit. molecule. <laughs> yeah, like we we eat food that contains vitamin C, and it has these other wonderful nutrients that are part of it as well. And so you know, we can't um, we can't just like isolate, like same thing with macronutrients, with fat and protein and carbohydrates, like you cannot isolate these things on their own. So yes, we, we eat food, not nutrients. That's a, a, say, a thing I tell my clients um, in my practice quite frequently too. <laughs> it's like the, the, I had this conversation recently, someone saying, well, curcuma reduce inflammation. Well, when you don't understand, and an average population is not meant to understand research and nutrition research, they just read the big headline, right? But to get to the conclusion of curcuma helping inflammation, it's done in isolation. It's not done within a human being. Yep, yep. And it's also done in massive quantities, usually. (laughs) So it's like, how does this really help in the real world when we're just eating things as a part, as a a variety of, of, as part of a variety of different foods? So, yeah. (laughs) So when we go into the world of gentle nutrition, we understand the science and so forth. How do we need to think about nutrition? I know in the book, you talk about the hierarchy of needs, which is quite different from anything else we've heard. So can you kind of give a highlight of that. People will have to read the book to get the details, but I think it's important for people to see how conceptually it's fundamentally different. 
Right. So, um, so yes. Yeah, so in my book, I have a, um, something I designed called the hierarchy of nutrition needs. And this is just something I use with my clients to help conceptualize nutrition. Um, it's not like a, a public, it's just something I kind of came up with and it helps me wrap my, my mind around, um, communicating, uh, nutrition with, with my clients that I work with. So hierarchy of nutrition needs, um, think of like the, you know, the good old Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Um, of course, Ellen Satter is another dietitian who has a, a hierarchy of, I believe it's food access, um, or food needs, but, um, this is one that focuses specifically on nutrition. And so at the base of that pyramid, I have adequacy. Are we eating enough? Um, we there is such a focus on individual foods, individual nutrients, and nutrition, but really none of that matters if we're not eating enough food. Like you can eat all the blueberries and kale in the world, but if you're not getting enough energy in, like that's not giving you any benefits whatsoever. So, um, so I have adequacy at the bottom. From one step up from that is where I have balance, and not balance in the way of you know I think sometimes people hear balance and think like oh I ate pizza. So now I'm going to have an apple, like this kind of good food, bad food dichotomy that, you know, that balance oftentimes gets um, used to describe, which is not a correct use of the word balance. But anyhow, um, so I have that really describing macronutrients. So are we getting some fat, some protein, some carbohydrate most of the time? Like, are we getting um, adequate amounts of all those different macronutrients? One step up from balance, I have variety. So are we getting a wide variety of different foods? Because different foods contain different nutrients. And so when we're eating a wide array of different foods, we're automatically, you know, without having to count anything up, we're automatically getting the um, nutrition that our body needs. And last but not least, at the top of that pyramid is where I have um, individual foods. So this is more, um, you know, individual foods, individual nutrients, like there can be things that that uh, individual foods that may be um, beneficial for certain people. Um, you know, I'm just thinking about um, a, a client that I'm, I'm working right, with right now who um, has some digestive issues. And for this client, like eating oats and getting oats, like just the soluble fiber with that, like that is something that's really helpful for her digestive concerns. So that that's a great example of how an individual food can be used with nutrition. Or, for example, if someone had a certain health condition where maybe they had higher needs for certain nutrients or, um, you know, maybe they're deficient in a certain nutrient, like this is where some of that, that individual foods, individual nutrients comes into play. So let's go to that because that's also another frequent question. It's going to be twofold, but I have a health condition and I need to be on a specific diet, right? Mm -hmm. And then... People self-prescribe a diet, right? They go on Mr. Google, they put their health condition, and then they get a diet. Is that medical therapy, medical food approach, or that is not? Right. 
So I, I think it's a really complicated one. And, and yes. you know, and I think this is where the hierarchy really comes into play because one, you know, there may be, you know, if you're struggling with a health condition that's really impacting your quality of life, like there may be a nutritional approach out there and maybe there isn't a ton of evidence behind it. But if you're really suffering, I can so imagine like the draw of that and like, why that might be something that you're you're interested in experimenting with. But I think this is where we can kind of come back to that, that hierarchy of nutrition needs. So um, I'll use IBS as an example because I work with a lot of clients with IBS. You know, I, I have clients who have gone on all these very, um, you know, they're there's a bazillion and one different yes. diets out there for IBS. Like low FODMAPs is probably the most popular one people hear of, but goodness knows, like some people cutting out dairy or cutting out gluten or just, you know, cutting out specific foods. But when we actually take a look at what they're eating and, and apply that, that hierarchy of food needs, like we can look at the base of the pyramid and say, are you actually eating enough? Um, and from there, are you actually getting some fat, some protein, some carbohydrate at most of your meals? Um, I've had clients with IBS who've had pretty severe IBS where literally we have just like gotten them like, you know, eating regular meals and snacks. So trying not to go more than like three, four hours without eating, um, trying to get some fat, some protein, some carbs, some fiber when they eat. And like literally their symptoms have gone like have reduced by like 90%. You know? And so that's when we're like, yes, there are certain times where a client might benefit from do, you know, the FODMAPs there, there is research that supports it. And I've certainly had clients with IBS who who found benefit from that, um, you know, and there, there are other situations where, you know, maybe we are experimenting with something that might seem counter to intuitive eating that might uh, involve reducing or eliminating certain foods. But we've got to get those first, like the basis of the pyramid first, we have to establish adequacy, we have to make sure we're still getting those macronutrients before you know, moving on. <laughs> I think that's this is where the word intention and that you speak to that at length in the book, but that's always like, is my intention to play with my nutrition? For me, the, the decision framework we teach here is love versus fear. Is the intention of going into the nitty gritty of my nutrition from a place of love or from a place of fear? Right, right. That's a beautiful way of describing it. Yes. Am I doing this to try and take care of myself? Or is it something where I'm I'm afraid of this food? Yes, that, that's a great way of describing it. Yep. Absolutely. And if when I coach people with intuitive eating, and we go through the process of intuitive eating, and there's still health issue, this is where one to one consultation, short term two to three session, with a practitioner like you who specialize in that is critical. It's like going to the doctor, like, but this is the doctor of food. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that. I have, a, I have some of my um, little kid clients, they like to call me Dr. Food. Yes. I'm like, I'm not a doctor but for everyone out there, but I'll take it. <laughs> but to get specific coaching on your health condition, now that you've gone through the process of intuitive eating, you've got the basic, let's just narrow in on exactly your personal needs without diet culture involving it. <laughs> 
Right. Exactly. It's taking, yes. And that's where like that, you know, nutrition, you know, evidence-based nutrition, that's where we can utilize that and, and, um, you know, and where it has so much more of a likelihood of helping someone feel better because it's, it's not this, um, you know, you're able to approach it in this really flexible way. It's not something that's going to feel quite so stressful for you. Like it's something that you, um, I don't know, you're more of the, of the headspace to be able to, um, intentionally incorporate gentle nutrition. So if you had to give people like three tips, three guidelines, I know you give many in the book, but we'll keep it to three. Like <laughs> what would be your top three tips for gentle nutrition? Oh goodness. Okay. So, um, Oh, okay. Let, let me think about that. Which one are you going to pick? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, <laughs> what's going to be most helpful and applicable? And actually, it's funny because as you, you're asking me that, I'm thinking to myself what, what we were talking about, I, I think even before hopping on the call of just how nuanced nutrition is and how gentle nutrition is so different from person to person. But so if I was going to, um, if I was going to think of a few tips, um, one would be, um, I think learning to learning to cook at home. And that doesn't mean like only cooking everything from home and never using like convenience foods ever. I talk a lot about how I love convenience foods um, in my book because I think that it makes cooking at home easier for you. But I, I really think that there's something beautiful about learning how to cook and and utilize um, different foods and different ingredients. It's just a lovely way to incorporate more of these nutrient-dense um, foods into our eating. So I, th I think that would be, um, one thing that I would, um, that I would encourage. Um, I guess another gentle nutrition guideline, um, that I would um, recommend. So, um, and this is one, again, I want to be like cautious with how I say this, but, you know, because I think plant-based, like, you know, yes. I'm making <laughs> that is, has become so, um, overrun with, with, you know, diet culture, but just basically eating more plants. I think I use the word plant centric in the book, but like we can eat in a more plant centric way, like emphasizing plants. That doesn't mean, you know, eating, you know, meat or eating animal products is bad or unhealthy or wrong, you know, but eating in a more plant centered way for personal health and, and frankly for the health of the planet, um, I, I think is a lovely, um, a lovely thing to move in the direction of. And again, as I say that, but this is where the whole process of intuitive eating, sorry to interrupt, is so important because you can say that to the ear of somebody. Like if you're listening to this episode right. for the first time ever, you're like, oh, she's saying I have to be plant-based. No, and, and that's not what she's saying. Nope. <laughs> you need to go do intuitive eating now. If that's what your brain is computing, we need to start at episode 200. <laughs> Right, right, right. Exactly. And it's like this, you know, we have this desire to like make our, our eating pattern fit a definition. Yes. <laughs> so it's like you can eat in a more plant centered way by thinking about, oh, what are vegetarian meals that I like to eat that I enjoy and, and in planning those in. So you can move in that pattern by using positive nutrition by adding foods in. But there's this tendency we want to make rules for everything. So when people hear like, 
oh, um, you know, eating a more plant-centered pattern, that that is, is good for overall general health. It's like, well, then I have to be vegan or I have to be vegetarian or I have to, you know, have a limit. I can only eat meat at these meals or whatever. You know, we want to create rules and it's like, eh, eh, and that's, yeah, that's not gentle nutrition. That's, that's not helpful. So yeah. <laughs> You had one more tip. Oh, yes. Thank you for reminding yeah. me. Um, we cut yeah, you off. We're back now on track. <laughs> Thought I got out of that one. Um, so, gosh, I guess if I were to um, if I were to choose one more. Actually, I think if I were to choose, like, a third one, that would be just for a very, like, general kind of um, audience. It's actually, um, you know, practicing some mindful eating skills. Yes. And when I say mindful eating, and I, I talk about this in the book too, like I don't mean you are meditating over every single meal. Um, as human beings, we eat with distractions. I just wrapped up eating my lunch like in front of the computer while like checking emails. Like that is just being a, a normal human being who has lots of things to do. But we can also incorporate these mindful eating skills and, and tune into our food and how it tastes and eating with attunement. Because I really do believe as humans, like we are designed to crave a wide variety of different foods. Um, and when we're able to tune in and and be a bit more intentional, I, I think that like the overall pattern of what we're eating naturally gravitates towards variety and, and, uh, just, we tend to eat overall nutrient, more nutrient dense ways. So yeah, that would be my, that would be my third one. <laughs> That's amazing. So we're coming to the end of the interview, but I don't want to skip the piece about meal planning because you have a whole section in the book. So this is going to be amazing. This, I, I don't have any books thus far that talks about meal planning that culture free. Right. So people, if you're looking for something, that's it. That's the book. But what's your overall take on meal planning with intuitive eating? Right. Yes. So so meal planning can be really helpful for creating food security. Like when um, you're trying to make an intuitive choice around food and you just have a bunch of like random ingredients or you don't have any food on hand in your house, like you're not able to make a, a choice around food that feels in intentional and, and aligned. Um, you know, you're, you're eating basically what you can just like what you can do and what you can manage. So flexible meal planning is super helpful for creating food security and making sure that you, you're creating trust that satisfying, enjoyable foods are coming. Because if you think about it, that's really what intuitive eating is. It's you creating trust that food will always be there. And so meal planning is one way that we can do that. Um, but where it goes wrong is I see where people get like, you know, I don't know, you look at like hashtag meal planning or meal prep on Instagram and it's like a bazillion like matching Tupperware sort of. Like, the whole week plan, like meal by meal. Right, right. It's like, no, 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 no. That's, that is too much. That, that leaves no room for intuition. Like that is you like that's rigidity. So, so flexible meal planning. When I talk um, in the book, I talk more about meal preparedness. So making sure that you have the things on hand to be able to create, um, satisfying meals and snacks while also leaving in some flexibility for 
you know, Hey, I thought I was going to make this for dinner tonight, but it doesn't really sound good. And I think I'd rather get takeout or, you know, I don't really feel like cooking tonight. So let's like do this other thing. Or, you know, I thought I'd make pasta, but I'm actually more in the mood for chicken. Like, you know, we can, we can leave flexibility in there and, um, and still have a plan and still have a, like a plan A and plan B essentially. (laughs) So I'll give you two things that I do. And I don't know, I didn't read the chapter on meal planning because I have my own version because I've been at this for so long. But here's what I do. And you tell me what you think. I cook a lot of raw ingredients. So I'll cook a bunch of rice. I'll cook a bunch of chicken, but I don't put it together. So I bind it together based on what I feel like having. Is it going to be a sandwich? Is it going to be a salad? Like, what do I want? I love that. Yeah. So that's a really, that's an awesome way I've, I've seen. Yes. Like doing, um, doing cooking, some components of your meals is something that can be really helpful for people. Um, yep. So that's one thing that I, I recommend is like that, that can be a a tool that's really helpful. Um, you know, the, the main thing that I really encourage people to do is just to think about like, a few meals, but also have some pantry meals on hand. So a few kind of cooked things, but if you can also like look in your pantry and say, Oh, I have some, um, you know, like a simmer, like a curry simmer sauce, and I've got some beans and some frozen vegetables and some rice, and I can put all that together. Or I've got some pasta and some frozen spinach and some like frozen chicken and some pesto sauce, and I can throw all that together. So if you have those kind of backup things, um, you can also have other kind of fun new recipe meals that you want to try too, and and creates a bit of balance that way. Yeah. And the other thing is ask yourself, like when you're thinking about when you're going to go grocery shopping, like, what do I want to eat this week? It may not be accurate for the whole week. But if you have like, you want to have shepherd's pie this week, like cook one and eat half of it and freeze the other one. Right, right. Like it can be that easy meal planning, like it doesn't have to be complicated. Yep, yep. And sometimes like, and this is one other little thing, but sometimes within two, I think sometimes with intuitive eating, people think that like you always are eating like exactly what you want in the moment. Sometimes like last night, I I was so tired yesterday. I had been like getting a weird migraine during the day and just felt awful. And like, I thought about cooking something and like, we just had some like random, like I had some pasta. I had half a jar of tomato sauce. Um, I think I had like half a bag of spinach that looked wilty and some like leftover salmon. And it was not what I was in the mood for, but it was easy and it was fine and it nourished me. And like, and I ate it like intuitive eating doesn't mean you don't have to plan to have a gourmet eating experience every single night. (laughs) Nope. So this was good. Now let's give a quick view. You have a bunch of recipes. I don't know how many, but we talk about all this process in the book, gentle nutrition, meal planning, but you also have recipes in the back end of the book also. Yep. So I wanted to, I think food can actually be a really cool way for us to learn about intuitive eating. You know, we can use that as a, um, as a tool for showing you how do these principles of, of pleasure and gentle nutrition and, and all these things, how does that fit into food? So like, um, I think one example that just stands out to me, um, I have a recipe for three different, um, like simple pasta sauces. And I talk about in the recipe, like, okay, these are certain sauces that work really well with whole grain pasta. These are kinds of sauces that don't really taste as good with the whole grains. So, you know, talking about like, 
how can we incorporate nutrition while still centering pleasure? I, I, I think recipes are a beautiful way to be able to do that. So yeah, so I was ex- excited about having the recipe component. Um, wasn't as excited when I was like photographing and <laughs> in the midst of it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I've made this dish so many times. I'm so sick of this. <laughs> Um, this is going to be a great resource for people. So the title of the book, again, is Gentle Nutrition. Uh-huh. A non-diet approach to healthy eating. <laughs> so for people, it's available in the U.S., we know for sure, at Bookshop, right? .org is where I'm encouraging people to order because you can support independent yep. bookstores. <laughs> and then for the international listener, it's going to likely be Amazon, but it's available on all the international platform, February the 23rd. So if you're listening on time to this interview, you could go place your order. It's going to get home on the 23rd. And if it's past the 23rd, it's available right now. Yay. Yes. And I greatly appreciate any pre-orders. So for those people who are like listening on the spot, listening to this, um, it really does make a big, um, big difference for book releases, those pre-orders. So greatly appreciate the the support that way. (laughs) And if you do, for all the passionately advanced intuitive eater, because this is the first time we've ever had a book on gentle nutrition, a review on the platform will tremendously help getting the message out to the industry that we need more books. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I was excited to see that, like, I'm, I'm just happy that publishers are excited about publishing books that are not <laughs> diet books. So very happy about that. <laughs> and so for those interested, you do work one-on-one with people. Can you tell us a little bit how we can, if people want to work with you, perhaps on a medical or health issue? How do they go about that? Yep. So I'm I'm based in Columbia, South Carolina, but I work with clients throughout the world. And so I work with clients virtually. Um, I have another dietitian, Kate, who works under me, and she is absolutely fantastic and also really skilled with just the integrating um, gentle nutrition into to health concerns. So um, yeah, you can reach me on my website, which is rachelhartleynutrition.com. And yeah, and we are always happy to work with you. Perfect. This is a great resource for people who perhaps need some help in in that phase of their journey. Thank you. It was a pleasure talking to you. I know you're going to help a lot of people. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your having me. Hey, sisters. So did you enjoy this as much as I did? I know all my long-term listener, my intuitive eater friend are like, yay, finally something I can go and enjoy cooking that I don't have to filter out diet culture. That's the book. So go and get yourself that book. That's all I can say. I know for me right now, it's February 16 when I'm recording this outro here. The book is in my basket and waiting for the release date on the 23rd and it's coming to my house. You're probably going to see me talk about this book a lot on my social media. The links to the books are all in the show note, but you can easily Google Gentle Nutrition and you will find the book. I hope you enjoyed the interview and I hope you're going to enjoy the book. I love you, my sister, and I'll see you on the next podcast episode. Hey, you, if you enjoy listening to this show, you have to come and check Conquer and Try. It's my monthly coaching program that comes with expert courses that will show you exactly how to take this life changing work 
and apply it into your own life. We teach you how to change your mindset, eat intuitively, and master body confidence. That you've decided to stop dieting today or years ago, Conquer and Thrive will help you take this knowledge deeper into real life practices. It comes with access to me as your coach and my team of experts. Join us by simply going to www.stephaniedodzie.com forward slash join. I can't wait to meet you inside our Conquer and Thrive community. I'll see you on the other side.